Welcome to the Therapy Thoughts Podcast. This is Tiffany Rowe. I'm a clinical mental health counselor and psychology teacher in Utah, and I want to change the mental health game. The Therapy Thoughts Podcast is all about breaking down therapy-related topics and making mental health information easy to understand and super accessible. So join me for quick and direct educational episodes and some deeper dives with experts from around the world. Together, we are going to break down stigma. We're going to help each other make peace with mind, body, and food. We're going to make therapy cool and invest time in our mental health. Let's do it here, one therapy thought at a time. What's up, Therapy Thoughts fam? Today we are talking about faith transitions. This is a big one. Y'all have been asking me to dive into this for a long time. And today is the day. I'll tell you a little bit about my own personal faith transition. That's the reason why this is on my radar, why I'm passionate about supporting folks dealing with a faith transition. Um, And lots of you are dealing with faith transitions. So I'll tell you about mine and then I'll give you my top 10 faith transition tips, uh, tips from a therapist to you to support your mental health and the big life transition that a change of faith is. So some folks call it a faith crisis. Some call it a faith transition. I want to empower you to use whatever language feels good for you. And there's going to be different meaning depending on your perception and what that means to you. A faith transition doesn't necessarily mean disassociating with your faith all the way. It doesn't necessarily mean you leave a religious institution or association. It can, and it does for many. Um, Same with a faith crisis. If you think about a crisis, it's going to be a big questioning, a big change, uh, unsurety, feeling, you know, a change in identity, perhaps. The end result is not determined by going through this. The end result is unknown. But what you are going through is a transition, is a change, is a shift, is an exploration. So before we hit commitment, exploration is is always first. And so if you've been part of a faith community, a religion, a spiritual identity, and you have questions, concerns, doubts, beef, a shift in faith, a faith transition, a faith crisis, whatever you want to call it, may be what you're experiencing. I want to validate that this is a developmentally normal process. It is normal to question. It is normal to care. It's normal to shift. It's normal to doubt. And how that shifts for you or what that means for your transition is going to be super personal. So I just want to start that. That's always the biggest question is, does that mean... You have to leave your church or change your religion or stop believing in a higher power. That's totally up to you. And it depends on your personal journey of exploration and commitment. I'm not here to tell you what that looks like or what it is for everyone. I can only speak to my experience and talk about skills and tools and support that helps my clients. Um, I live in the heart of Utah. Orem, Utah, where the dominant culture, the dominant religion is Mormonism, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I was raised in the Mormon church. Uh, I'm eighth generation LDS, 
Latter-day Saint. So really deep roots uh, was raised by very devout, faithful caretakers, big Mormon family. Um, and I was definitely the child. I was number six who was like gung ho. Um, I remember in fifth grade, there was an activity that asked us where we were going to go to school. And in fifth grade, I, in fifth grade, I wrote on a big poster board, Brigham Young University. Um, I remember writing down the traits of the man I would marry one day. And it was someone who can take me to the temple to get married, someone who holds the priesthood, going to raise a big family. I remember all my friends in high school would joke around that I would be the first one to get married and I'd have six kids. Um, anyway, to say that I was deep in the Latter-day Saint culture as well as the religion um, and followed the teachings and believed in the doctrine so much so that not only did I go to BYU, Brigham Young University at church school, I also went on a mission for the church uh, for 18 months. I left the country and went and uh, preached to people about the religion to get converts. Um, after that, I was also married in a LDS temple, which is a place reserved for like really faithful members, meaning you have to qualify, you have to pass an interview that says you follow certain rules. Um, and I did so legitimately. And so this is to say I was quite devout. And then I would say my faith transition was a long, slow process that took about 10 years. Um, I would say if I had to pinpoint a starting point, it was probably when I went to grad school and just started to be exposed to really different ideas, to understand um, psychology more in depth. And really the day one of my mentors um, was – was teaching a course on the difference between shame and guilt. And it's like, I heard the word shame for the first time. And for me, it was this gong ringing in my soul. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is my life. I'm so shame based. I live in shame. Wow. And it really opened the doors for me. Now, this is my story. I'm not saying everyone who is religious experiences this or is that it has that reality. I'm definitely not saying this is the experience of all Mormons, Latter-day Saints or Christians or any religious identity. This is my story. And I'm sharing it vulnerably understanding that this might offend some people by me saying that was my experience because it could be a challenge to your religious beliefs. But all I can speak to is identifying with that word. And if I had to tell you at the end of the day what led to my faith transition and me exiting uh, my religion would be that word, shame. That encompasses kind of all the facets of a very complex and personal life transition and identity change. So that, I guess I would say, is what started it. And 10 years, I mean, there was a lot to unravel um, and I really wanted to stay Mormon. 
I really did because there was a lot of identity and culture and acceptance. My family, my friends, it's what I was known for. I was always the Mormon. Um, it was who I was. And I got a lot of pride um, by feeling like I was good at it. Um, so this wasn't like something I wanted to happen. I didn't want to leave Mormonism. I didn't uh, want to have a crisis of faith. I didn't want to have a faith transition. And I never in a million years thought I would leave it. Um, I had dreams of like serving missions with my husband one day and dreams of my kids going on a mission. Like this wasn't something I wanted. And I think that's validating and important for a lot of people going through faith transitions to know or loved ones of people going through a faith transition that this isn't like something we wanted to happen. Um, And I know that doesn't make sense on the other side necessarily, but it's not like I was trying to leave. All my friends were LDS, you know. Um, But however, if it started with shame, I guess that evolved into different things. Um, Issues with the culture, first and foremost. Issues with the community. um, Issues with the worship and the church and not feeling edified or fulfilled. Not feeling like I was getting out of it what I wanted. Um, And then really starting to to have other beliefs that caused a disconnect with the community at large. Um, My political beliefs started to shift that didn't match the majority of the people in my faith community. And that became difficult. Um, And I tried to identify, you know, within the umbrella of the faithful while also being um, pretty progressive and liberal and starting to like really care about social justice and stuff. Um, and that was hard for me to navigate two dual identities that brought on a lot of cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance means you believe two conflicting things at once, right? Like I believed in the church or what the church taught, but I also believed these things that weren't necessarily embraced or were actively fought within the church. Um, so that's where I was for a long time. For a long time, my my motto was uh, just ride the wave. My motto was don't do anything rash. My motto was watch it all unfold. And where those uh, notions came from was somehow spiritually understood or discovered within myself but those were kind of my ideas at the time of how to navigate cognitive dissonance how to be somewhere in the awkward middle and I did that for a long time that was like 10 years of like trying to figure out having cognitive dissonance not believing everything questioning a lot of things not agreeing with a lot of things um and that just escalated I remember day I most Sundays towards um, year eight, nine, ten, I would leave crying. I would leave angry. Um, it would cause conflict in my home. I was really upset. Um, and that was hard. And I blamed myself. And I thought, gosh, something's wrong with me. Why don't I just have enough faith? Like, 
I'm reading and I'm praying and I'm meditating and I'm like diving into this and I feel like so close to my higher power. How come this is getting harder? Uh, I felt more disconnected. Uh, so that was really confusing, right? And that's just a piece of the journey that I want to validate. There's so much cognitive dissonance and you have two pieces of you that are like trying to make sense of something. Um, and my goal was to make it work. My goal was never, there was never an option of like leaving my religion or disassociating. I, that wasn't the goal. The goal was to like figure it out. Um, at the very, very end, after everything's said and done, like close to 10 years of battling, the thing that finalized it for me was um, no longer believing the truth claims made by the church. Now, I think for a lot of people, that's kind of the start of their journey. For me, it was coming to a point of like, wow, you know, I've read this, or I've studied this, or I've researched this, or I learned of this, and this is actually not what I believe anymore. And there was a lot of fear and panic associated with that. Um, because if I didn't believe it was true, if I didn't believe in like, the religious doctrine or teachings, then I was definitely out because I didn't like anything else, right? I didn't get anything out of the worship anymore. I felt disconnected. I didn't like the culture. I, 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 the community wasn't why I was there. It was only because I thought, you know, it was truth for me. Um, so at that point, it unraveled and I I had to make the honest decision of of leaving. And What's so painful about that for me and a lot of folks is the consequences, the social rejection, the impact, a rejection or abandonment by friends and family, uh, being treated differently. I was worried about my business. What if people knew that I was an LDS in a really, really dominant LDS community? Would I be boycotted? Would I be, would people think I was evil? Would people not support my business? Um, what about my kid? Will people not let their kids play with my kid if we don't go to church? Because I had heard that at church, right? And so I had a lot of fears and what's going to be the fallout. And I remember being in therapy being like, I could just pretend, you know, like I actually don't ever have to be honest about this. Like, what if I just pretend and go along with it? I don't want my kid to be treated different. I don't want parents to not trust us or like us. I don't want to be isolated or exiled in the community if I don't believe what other people believe. And I considered just, you know, playing the game. But ultimately, I made the choice a very heart-wrenching, harrowing experience, to say the least, of living, you know, my truth and saying, it me. Um and I will say the scariest phone call of my life was calling my mom and telling her like, hey, you know, I'm not Mormon anymore. Uh, and I'm a lucky I'm a lucky one compared to a lot of my clients and what I hear that um, my mom was like, I love you anyway. Like, I'm not surprised. Like, I already thought you weren't. <laughs> I guess she saw it coming. Um uh, I was really fortunate in that way and have been able to like set boundaries and have hard conversations and try to figure out, you know, how to have a mixed faith family. Um, a lot of folks don't have that. So today I wanted to share my story because one, people ask me all the time. Two, I want to validate that this is hard. Um, 
that all kinds of people go through this, uh, that this is not any marker of like failed humanity. You shouldn't have shame in this. This isn't a moral failing. This isn't just have more faith. This is a real life transition that happens to people to hap- that happens to people who believe and pray as hard as anyone that faith transitions um, are deeply personal, deeply complex. I've had one and I'm here on the other side to tell you, you know, I made it. Um, people make it and it's okay to have this be part of your story. And not everyone has my outcome. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, the, the point of a faith transition is not for me to tell you what the end looks like. You may stay active in your faith tradition, your religion, your belief. Um, you may not. You may have something completely different happen. I don't have any hard answers on what I believe uh, or my identity in this way, but I do know a lot has changed and give you permission to have that same exploration. Let me give you my top 10 faith crisis tips. 10 little anecdotes or suggestions from a therapist to you on having a faith transition and some of the ideas I have to help you along because you are not alone. Number one, take your time. We want to rush through things that are really uncomfortable and there's a lot of discomfort. Um, so it's really common for my clients to say, I just need to make a decision. I just don't want to feel this anymore. I just want to know, like, I just need to know either way. And I think there's wisdom in taking time because even if you made a decision just to try to get through that discomfort, it wouldn't relieve the process to organically and authentically come to clarity means you have to wrestle. That cognitive dissonance is something that you can't just shut off. There's got to be that teeter-totter back and forth of, so what's that mean if I believe two opposing things? What about this question? What about this disagreement? Well, what if I don't like the culture, but I believe in you know the, the tenets of, of my spirituality or religion? That takes time back and forth to wrestle, to get to clarity. Clarity isn't just a light switch with most issues. And forcing a decision to relieve the anxiety and discomfort doesn't work that way. It's the process and the wrestling and the, the consideration and time that you give that will lean you in the direction of clarity and decision. So allowing yourself to take time and saying, I can deal with not knowing. That's why my mantras were super helpful of like, don't do anything rash, ride the wave, watch this unfold. It's kind of like I'm on this wave and the more I try to fight it, the worse it got. And just trying to be open to what my life's you know, journey was going to entail. So take your time. Number two, get social support. Um, I was extremely lucky to have two close family members going through this at the same time as me. And for a long time, it's all we talked about. We texted all day, every day, wrestling, struggling back and forth and trying to make sense of the complexity of feelings and fears. Um, And I try to imagine what it's like for folks who don't have that. And my compassion extends to you. Getting social support is key. 
if there is one person who is unbiased, who you can talk to, who can just hear you, who can validate you, um, that would be incredible. If there's a group you can join locally, if there's a meetup, if there is an online group or an online option for you to explore of your specific faith community, people going through questioning, social support, or someone who's just completely unbiased, a friend who's not associated with your faith and who can just kind of hear you and validate you, social support is so crucial for mental health, period. Um, and then if you can have folks who can hear you and not just try to persuade you or sway you in any certain way, either way, that would be really, really powerful and a great, a great support. Number three, your emotions are normal. I don't even need to know what they are. I promise you they're normal. You got to validate this process. You got to feel your feelings. Are you pissed off? Normal. Are you depressed and hopeless? Normal. Do you feel overwhelming shame and guilt? Normal. Are you kind of excited and curious? Also normal. Surprised, betrayed, hurt, confused. I mean, I'm telling you, your emotions are normal. And for a lot of us, this is a stripping away of certainty, a stripping away of identity, a stripping away of, you know, hardcore belief systems, and a stripping away of just what has been your reality. So validate any emotions you have. And you can simply say, it's okay to feel this. And maybe the emotion is hope. Maybe there's glimmers of goodness. Maybe there's clarity. Maybe you have renewed faith or renewed commitment. Remember, this transition may result in you staying with your religious affiliation or faith identity. And this process and the emotions you have being honored and validated will be a reason you can have that outcome. So validate and experience whatever it is that's coming. That's why we feel, deal, heal, fam. Number four, there is no right or wrong way to do this. This is a quote I say a lot on Instagram. There is no right or wrong way to have a faith transition. People want this checklist, and I'm giving you 10 tips, but even this isn't the perfect roadmap there's no final destination that is, you know, applicable to every single human of every religious affiliation in the world. So what I can tell you is there's no right or wrong way to do it. And if yours sounds different than my tips, let's say you don't take your time and you do it alone without social support and you shove down your emotions and that's how you do it. I understand. And I'm not going to tell you that's wrong. I'm going to say that's part of your process. And I trust your judgment to figure out what the freak you believe. I'm surely not going to tell you. So have self-compassion and take off the pressure of there's a right way to do this or what if I do this wrong because it's a big question mark and it's so much about being mindful and curious and self-compassion means you're human. You have compassion for the suffering you're going through. You have compassion for your humanity and may you be kind to yourself. And even if it is done in a way that you regret or you burn some bridges or you say things you regret. I don't know that there's any perfect way to prevent those because we don't have a crystal ball, but what you're going to do is learn and adapt and try to do better. 
So there's no right or wrong way to have a faith transition. Number five, I think this one's pretty obvious, but I got to throw it in there. Listen to and read supportive material. And that actually doesn't have to be anything about religion or spirituality specifically. You can be. There's lots of resources out there. But there are various communities, books, blogs, courses, retreats, webinars, podcasts to support you with life transition, faith transition, faith crisis. I created a course, TiffanyRoseSchool.com, specifically a two-hour in-depth course on navigating an LDS, faith-based transition. And it is for people going through a faith transition and their believing loved ones. I made my course thinking that my mom, a devout believing member of the Mormon church, and myself, an ex-Mormon millennial, could sit down and watch this course together. It is both respectful and aware of both sides because I want my mom to listen to it and to be proud and edified and fulfilled and educated. And I want someone like me to feel the exact same way. So me and my colleague, Sarah Hughes-Zabawa, joined up and made this course. There's tons of info in there. And just like that, there's courses, there's webinars, there's other materials out there to support you. So my course is obviously specific to faith transitions. And is it only for LDS folks? No, because everything I'm talking about is applicable to all religious views. We do use some specific LDS language, but the ideas apply to a lot of faith tra- faith traditions. For example, we'll say things in the course like sacrament or mission or word of wisdom, but there's like health codes and um, proselyting or, you know, taking some form of like religious remembrance worship, it, common in a lot of religions. So stuff like that um, is specific in the course, but it can apply to people. Now there's other communities and things like Reddit communities for faith transitions specific to different religions or Facebook groups, both private and public. There's different podcasts or books out there. If I had to recommend a couple general books that weren't specific to any religion, I would recommend Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, Uh, John Bradshaw's work. I love all of his work, but healing the shame that binds you and his book homecoming is really powerful for inner child work. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, the power of now, or what is it? A new earth. Um, Eckhart Tolle's work, the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, and then braving the wilderness or other books by Brene Brown. These are things that are just connected to good mental health, faith, transitions in a very general sense, not necessarily specifically addressing like quote unquote faith transitions. So check out different supportive materials, Google, see what's in your area, see what you can use. Uh, Number six, get into counseling or coaching. Uh, So I own Mindful Counseling in Orem, Utah, and we work with a lot of folks going through faith transitions. We offer this on our website as like one of our specialties because of the number of people who go through faith transitions in our clinic. Uh, Most of my therapists working for me have gone through faith transitions personally. Counseling or coaching is an ideal supplement to any big transition, any big questions, any big life changes, but specifically a faith transition. 
ideally you want your counselor to be someone who's informed on religious trauma, someone who's informed on faith transitions, but if nothing else, identity change and adjustment, someone who can hold space for you, who can help you understand boundaries, communication, assertiveness, cognitive dissonance, feeling feelings, you know, questioning who you are, questioning your whole spirituality. So working with a professional counselor who's licensed or working with a coach who specializes in uh, faith transitions, I highly, highly recommend. And a lot of what I'm saying, I, I validate for folks at Mindful Counseling. Um, I don't ever think it's a bad idea to get therapy, y'all. Therapy is cool. Number seven, don't do anything rash. You've heard me say that because that was one of my mantras as I was dealing with my faith transition. Uh, again, it's like taking your time, but not doing anything rash, speaking more specifically to watch out for strong impulses. Uh, don't communicate impulsively or while you're angry. Uh, be prepared ahead of time. So if you're going to Thanksgiving this year, and no one knows what you're dealing with, and you are in a rage, anger stage, make some plans for how to cope with those feelings because a lot of us burn bridges under the banner of authenticity, but really it's just anger and rage. And so consider you know, preserving relationships, what your outcome is, what are you wanting? Um, and if you want to be understood and you want to be validated and you want to keep close relationships, we probably don't want to like start dropping angry bombs on people. So don't do anything rash. Consider consequences before you post impulsive late night social media rants. I'm not against any of this. You do you, right? There's no right or wrong way to do this, but this is just some wisdom um, from working with so many people. Because even if you do do this stuff and regret it, it's fine. There's no right or wrong way. This is your journey. This is your life. It all depends on what you want, what's your outcome, what's your values, what are you hoping to gain? I think most of my clients want to maintain relationships. They just want to be respected and understood and unjudged. They want to be loved. And so it's easy in the very normal stages of like anger and rage to do something rash um, to act out, to cut off people, to say things you may not mean. So hold space for those impulses and see it as a normal part and find people to process. Um, you don't have to like leave one day and never go back. You have time and permission to sit with discomfort, to weigh pros and cons, to journal, to talk about it in therapy, to have hard conversations, to set boundaries, just stuff to consider. Um, there's a lot of nuance here and I don't want anyone to feel like I'm telling them to be inauthentic, but I am asking you to consider what is it that you want long-term? What's the goal? And do your behaviors and actions match up with that? Uh, number eight, use what works. Hey, if taking three hours on a Sunday to sit and worship is your jam and you still like that, make time for that. If you like prayer, a connection to a higher power, stick with it. If you like meditation, if dressing in a certain way is something that works for you and it's connected to your religious identity, go for it. You don't have to throw away all aspects of faith or religion just because it's part of that umbrella. There's a lot of goodness entailed in faith tradition or even your religion or what you have believed or the culture you come from. 
just because it's associated doesn't mean you have to get rid of it if you don't like all of the pieces. So consider what are the things that you like from your faith, your religious, your community, and you're allowed to keep the stuff that works for you. Uh, number nine, honor your boundaries. You have your faith transition on your terms. You decide the terms of your faith transition. Okay. So your boundaries matter first and foremost. You don't owe anyone an explanation. You don't have to justify this. You don't have to apologize for this. You're likely not choosing this. It's a developmental shift. It's a belief shift. It's cognitive dissonance. It's a psychological shift. It's a spiritual shift. Know your boundaries, honor them, and stand by yourself. You decide the terms of your faith transition, and you're allowed to set those ongoing. Um, so take, take some time to redefine new boundaries for wherever you are, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social. You're allowed to say practice responses of boundaries. What am I going to say if someone asks me X, Y, or Z? What do I do if I'm put on the spot? What if I'm not ready to talk about this? You're allowed to say that. You're allowed to say, thanks so much for asking me. I'm not ready to talk about this. Now is not the time for this conversation, but I love you. I really value this relationship and I'll let you know when I'm ready to talk about it. Or like, hey, thanks so much for inviting me to this event. I'm not going to make it. This isn't what's right for me at this time. Uh, this might be a little bit too tricky for me to handle, Let's try again in the future. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Boundaries don't have to be weird, but you're allowed to protect your mental health. Um, and there's going to be a lot of different opinions about this. Like if you're invited to a religious ceremony, you decide if it's okay or not for you. Um, when I was in the throes of infertility, going to baby blessings was the, the only word I can use to describe it is torture. Um, it was emotional torture. And I felt a lot of pressure in the community of like, yeah, but you got to put family first. Like, don't be selfish. Like, go to these things. And I had to decide for myself, like, just like going to baby showers was too painful for me. Going to like a church ceremony that was focused on new babies at that time was not safe for me. It put me into a really dark emotional and mental health space. So you're allowed to have boundaries specifically with faith and religious transitions, even if other people don't like it. Because at the end of the day, you are only responsible for your mental health, your boundaries, your feelings. You can't control how other people would respond. Like if I saw you setting that boundary, I'd be like, boom, I got your back. Awesome. That's super healthy. Good for you. Whereas someone else might really think you're selfish and not be happy with that. We don't set boundaries to change other people. We set boundaries to keep ourselves safe. We set boundaries to protect our mental health. We set boundaries because we are the only ones living in our head and our body trying to navigate this. So I am here to tell you to honor your boundaries. It's completely healthy to do so. It's not weird. It doesn't make you a bad person. And they're going to change and shift. And maybe when you're at the peak of pain or rage or confusion, saying no to like a religious activity is going to be extremely protective and adaptive for your mental health and help you in the long term. Maybe saying yes is cool for you, but here's permission to honor your boundaries. Last tip, number 10 out of 10 for the top 10 faith crisis tips from me, there's life after. And that was the hardest thing for me to, to understand going through this. There's hope. 
no matter where you end up or what you believe or don't believe, what you know, what you don't know, what questions you have or don't have, you will adjust. You will find your footing. If there's anything that 2020 has taught us, we adjust. We figure out. We are resilient. Our life right now, our world right now is totally uncertain. It is unsafe. There are fires everywhere. There's a global pandemic. There's social uprising and revolution in order to protect and advocate for black lives. We have a heated political climate. There's a lot going on and we are uncertain, but we press forward just like with the faith transition, knowing that we're going to adjust one day at a time. We have hope because what else is there? Um, and me being on the other side of a faith transition, whatever that means, um, I'm just telling you there's life after. You can be happy. You can find what you can believe. doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean you're clear. It doesn't mean it's not going to be painful or you make mistakes or you have hardships or you question it all over again a million times. But there is a future um, and you are worthy and you are lovable and you are valuable, period. I don't care what you believe or don't believe. You matter. Your beliefs matter. Your thoughts matter. Your feelings matter. You deserve to be here. You deserve to have your experience without judgment and shame. And you deserve to be loved and accepted for exactly who you are. I see you. And I hope today this podcast either gave you something to squint your eyes at or smile about or some support. You're not alone. Uh, faith transitions are no joke. Uh, it's a painful experience for many liberating, freeing, scary, exciting, confusing, all the feelings. Remember, it's all normal. And I'm with you, fam. Um, share this podcast, subscribe, leave a review if you're finding it helpful. And if you know someone going through a faith transition, uh, share this as a free resource. My course is available at tiffanyroseschool.com. It's always there. Uh, I don't think there's anything like it because it's speaking to two groups of people who are often misunderstood by each other. But I want you to know that my believing Mormon mom and me, the ex Mormon millennial can sit down and listen to my course together and both feel respected and understood and leave with tools. Um, so if you're looking for some extra support, I think a lot of folks have told me they wish they had something like that when they went through their faith transition. So you're not alone. There's also lots of other things out there. You can do this. May you be well. I know how hard a faith transition can be. That's why I created the Navigating an LDS Faith-Based Transition course over at TiffanyRowSchool.com. Yes, we use specific language catered to those experiencing an LDS faith-based transition and their loved ones, but it's for anyone dealing with a faith transition. Whether you're the person going through it like I did, or you're like my mom who's a believing devout member, you can take the principles and ideas from this course and apply them to yourself, to your mental health, to your relationships, to learn how to navigate this in a mental health-informed way that is both respectful and aware for people on both sides of the faith transition. So as someone who's been through it, 
with loved ones who are still believers. I made this course for you, TiffanyRoseSchool.com. You too can navigate a faith-based transition. Thanks for listening to the Therapy Thoughts podcast, but remember, this podcast is not therapy. This is for general informational purposes only. The information on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any condition, illness, or disease. This also isn't intended to be financial, legal, medical, or therapeutic advice. Make sure you're always working with your own personal licensed mental health counselor. May you be well. I appreciate you tuning in and supporting the Therapy Thoughts podcast. If you want to dive deeper into intuitive eating and body image and self-love, head over to tiffanyrow.com. It's the hub of all of my courses, the podcast, my merch, and information about doing counseling and coaching with me. I hope you guys stick around for more. We have lots of exciting interviews and thought leaders coming onto the podcast. So until next time, may you be well.